start now. And when you make mistakes, because you will, everything and anything is fixable. Don't freak out. Best ever listeners, before we jump into today's episode, for all my fix and flippers out there, are your financing costs eating away at your bottom line? And are you looking for a way to increase your overall profits by lowering your loan payments to the bank or maybe your private lender? Well, our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, you know Patch of Land, they've been on the show, representatives of their company have been on the show many times, they've been a sponsor of this show many, many times, they're back for more because they love you and they love working with the best ever listeners and they've got an interesting point of view on interest rates and that is that it's the interest rates that we are quoted shouldn't necessarily be taken at face value because perhaps a higher interest rate could actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan and they have a white paper on how that is possible and how that it can be applied to your fix and flip business to help your bottom line get more profitable and to help you choose the best uh, lender for your financing needs. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless, and they've got a white paper for you, and it will walk you through the way to evaluate interest rates in terms in general on your loan so that you truly are getting the best interest rate. Because there are some tricky things some lenders try to do to um, glaze over the fact that their lower interest rate, quote unquote, is actually higher based on some technical things that they put into it. So go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless and get that white paper so that you can save money on your fix and flip projects. Patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jared Cott. How you doing, Jared? Joe, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that is great to hear, and it's my pleasure, and looking forward to diving in a little bit about Jared. He is based in Chicago, on the south side of Chicago. He lives where he invests. He has accumulated 75 rental units. He's got over 100 under management. He also manages his own stuff as well as for other people. And he's the owner of Marble Stone Property Group, which is a property management company, which I just mentioned. So with that being said, Jared, do you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure, Joe. I started in real estate just shy of five years. Prior to that, I was a corporate guy working downtown Chicago for some insurance firms. And unbeknownst to me, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew, was fired, was too proud to go back. And at that time in 2013, I spent a lot of time looking for deals, but never had the courage to actually go out and invest myself. So I looked at this as just a perfect opportunity to jump in. So I jumped in February 13th, started absorbing every piece of knowledge from books, podcasts, local RIAs, relationships, anything I can use to learn about real estate to learn because I didn't have much going on when I got fired. So that's kind of how I got started. I worked for a guy for free for about four or five months and learned a lot. He owned a management company and I learned a lot about how I didn't want to run a company after about 60 days working with him <laughs> and purchased the first unit. It was like August 5th, 2013, $25,000 show, $25,000 brick two flat on the South side of Chicago. 
Okay. Still have it. Obviously, a couple questions, and we'll keep rolling. One is, you said you bit off more than you could choose, so you got fired. What did you get fired for? They said, we just didn't see eye to eye. I think it was more of my personality. I'm a guy that kind of, I don't just sit back. I'm a driven guy that kind of likes to rock the boat and bring new ideas. And the company I was with at that time was more structured. Let's follow every procedure to a T. Didn't like new ideas. And they just said, hey, do you know where conference room B is? And I knew that was my time being on that chopping block. <laughs> but it was. It was the greatest thing I could have ever happened to me, really. And, and I'm conference still cool with a lot of people from there. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, you said you got started by reading books. You worked for a guy for free. I think you mentioned how long, but I was trying to take notes. I didn't catch it. How long do you work for someone for free? I worked for this guy for about four months. I met him at Aria, exchanged some business cards and contact info and stuff. And I said, listen, I'm, I have a lot of time on my hands. I'd love to learn the business. I think he threw out there. He's looking to train guys and stuff like that. So that's kind of how I, I made that introduction. And I remember I didn't have a car at the time. I had a Harley Davidson. I rode my motorcycle down to one of these properties and, and met him. And there were like, it was crazy. There was like stickers on the door. The place just looked completely run down. And he was banging on the door to get some rent. And I said, man, I don't want to operate my business like this, but uh, mm -hmm. I can sure probably learn a couple things. You did that for four months. What were your responsibilities during those four months? It was more kind of just like, and I work well like this, Joe, it was like thrown into the fire. So it was delivering five-day notices, calling tenants for back rents, updating utilities with the water companies and stuff like that. It was, looking back on it, it was really good exposure because sitting in an office, you don't know these things that you have to do to manage properties on a day-to-day -day basis, but, you know, the proper way to do it. You said that you learned some things that you wouldn't apply towards your business now. What are the things that you learned that you don't do? Well, this is the key. There were zero processes in place. And when there's zero processes in place, it's chaotic all the time. Absolutely chaotic. So what I decided at that time was I need to be able to create processes fairly quickly. So when I jump off on my own to start this, that I can scale, I can repeat, there can be consistency because there was none of that in my experience with this guy. Now you've got over 100 properties under management. Tell us about the internal process structure that you have set up with your business now. Really good segue. So one of your past guests, Linda from Secure Pay One, I got to know her about two years ago. And I thought I had some processes in place and they were decent, but it's just not my skill set. So what we currently do now we have a relationship with Secure Pay One. So all of the backroom stuff is done through Linda and her team. So the write-ups of the leases, all the data that goes into our management system, we use Buildium, all the rents that go in, all of that backroom stuff is done not in-house, but not in our office. It's done with Secure Pay One. So that leaves us to be able to focus on boots on the ground relationships with the clients where needed, sourcing more deals, bringing more management opportunities in the door. Mm -hmm. For me to understand the business relationship more in terms of responsibilities, you said it allows you to focus on relationships with clients and boots on the ground. So what are the boots on the ground doing from a management standpoint? Well, the South Side of Chicago, if I paint it with a broad brush, 
it's not the easiest place to manage properties. There's just a lot of like activity, people hanging out. A lot of times on the larger units, three, four bedroom, you have to do quarterly inspections to stay up on the tenants. It's just a very, very high touch. So we like to be visible and we're very clear with our tenants when we go through the interviewing process and the leasing and things like that, that we will be around. We're not a hands-off operation where you just sign a lease and send the rent checks into the office. We don't operate like that. We will be around. So we do a lot of that. It's the sixth of the month today. And there's a couple of folks in the portfolio that are late. So today, that's what our staff is out there getting the five days out on the sixth. We're just really on top of the things that need to be on top of it being hands on. Now let's talk about 75 rental units. You started five years ago. How much money did you start with when you were buying deals? I had a small retirement account. I looked at it as it was liquid. I would have done things completely different now. So we some different strategies with investing with IRAs and things like that. But I started with 250 and I was just draining my 401k. It was basically everything I had, right? So I was taking it from the 401k. I was buying assets at the time for 20, 25,000, putting 30, 35,000 into them and then refinancing them. Mm-hmm. I also had a small HELOC from a condo that I owned downtown, which was good. And things were great until two things happened. One, I ran out of money. I saw the light at the end of the tunnel that I was going to run out fairly quick. And then two, uh, I didn't pay tax on any of that money. So oh, I got a nice yeah. bill from the IRS. And it was just a lack of knowledge. So when I started to realize, okay, I think I had like 10, 10 or 12 units, Joe, at the time. So there was no debt. Money was coming in. It was okay. But it was like, who wants to stop at 10, right? Got to keep going. So I went to a bunch of different banks. Remember, in 2013, 2014, we were still bouncing off the bottom in terms of pricing here on the south side of Chicago and not having a W-2 job made it really difficult for me to get financing to carry on. So I went to 21 banks and I had a pretty decent plan put together. What was you know, it? I had some relation. What was the plan? Yeah. It was like a 24-month rinse and repeat sort of the burr strategy before it was coined that. And the, all the banks loved it. But they said, you've only been doing this nine months. You don't have a W-2 income anymore. Come back to us in a couple of years. And I was like, I don't have a couple of years, right? I got to keep this train moving. So I ended up hooking up with a local lender, higher interest rates. I wouldn't say hard, hard money, but uh, it certainly wasn't soft. And they gave me a line of credit. So I pledged my assets. And then from there, I bought 10 more and went to a community bank that I all the while have been nurturing a relationship with local here, Community Investment Corporation. And then they took me out. So since then, we've been just rinsing and repeating back and forth. It's been a nice relationship. What are the terms? Double digit, like 10 and 2. So you got to be really, really, really good at your process on construction. You can't be sitting on these things too long. You have to get in and get out of them. But certainly want to rent it up. I mean, my play down here is it's all about high cash flow. Mm-hmm. What it's worth on paper to me is not nearly as important as the monthly cash flow. So that certainly can cover that service. On average, 
across your portfolio, what does one unit cash flow per month on average? Just under 400. 400. And that's post-renovation, correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So your model is you buy for cash flow and maybe it appreciates, maybe it doesn't, but the cash flow is the main thing. And is a typical deal about a 25000 purchase, put thirty all in, and then rent it out and cash flow the 400 Yeah, that's the model. Now, things are beginning to change. The assets that you could buy for twenty five, thirty thousand 30000 are now in the $50,000 range, and rents certainly aren't in line with the increase on that. But there's still significant play for cash flow. It's not what we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. That's why we're slowing down a little bit and growing the management and really continuing to tighten up these processes because I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, Joe, but I do think something is going to change. I don't know what or when, Mm -hmm. but I just kind of, and again, I haven't seen a full cycle, so I may be way too early making this assumption, but it just seems to me like prices are a little bit out of line. I mean, I'm seeing stuff in our local market in apartment buildings where some offshore money is coming in and purchasing stuff for eighty, ninety thousand dollars a door. Uh-huh. And at that, you're gonna be cash flow negative. So to me, it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna sit back for a little bit. If a project does cash flow the four hundred, but you're paying more for it than you were previously, would you still buy it? Yes. Depending on the location and, and the deal, yeah. Okay. I'm never gonna turn away a deal. But it's got to be a deal. It's got to cash flow. Cool. It's incredible what you did with $250,000 five years ago. And how much was the HELOC loan, the line of credit? HELOC, just under 100 It was like under high 100. 80s that okay. I could All move right. around. Yeah. All right. So under three fifty, about 330000 You basically took 330000 and in five years, you now have about 330000 in annual cash flow as a result of it, right? Because $400 a month per property times 75 properties, that's $360,000 cash flow a year. Yep. And would you say it's just through the tried and true, you, you buy a place, you renovate it, you're refinancing into a loan, and then you're taking that cash back out and put it into a new deal that cash flows, that's basically the model? That's it. Yeah, it's like a seesaw. Like the line of credit will go up and then the permanent debt will take it out. And it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. The only issue that we currently are running into is with our local bank. And it's not really an issue. It's just kind of like as you evolve, you go into chartered waters. So we've hit a ceiling cap in terms of debt with them. So we have to refi out of them now to get more relief to be able to continue that cycle if we choose to do it. But I do think in the future that our model is going to be more towards scaling up into larger buildings. These assets that are single family homes, one through four units, they're great. They cash flow like crazy. As we touched on earlier, there's a lot of high touch and a lot of um, just administrative work for it. If you have 50 properties, let's just say you have 50 properties and they're all two flats, you have 100 units, that's 50 grass to cut. 50 water bills. That's 50 rent checks. I mean, it's just, there are hundred rent checks, but you get the point. It's, there's so much of it where if we can get more doors under one roof, I think that's our next move. 
and you told me before we started recording that you listened to the podcast, so maybe through that you just through your experience in my questions, you basically stole my question. You answered it. It's perfect. Thank you for that. And that was I'm sure a lot of listeners have a similar goal of, hey, I've got some money, whether it's three thirty like you had available or whether it's a hundred or fifty thousand or ten million, I don't know, whatever it is. But I'd like to take that money and then turn that into that amount of cash flow in five years. And that's exactly what you did. You took the money you had to invest, and in five years, boom, now it's actual cash flow. So what suggestions would you give a listener who wants to replicate what you did and maybe some cautionary things along the way we should watch out for? Let's use round numbers. If you can get 300, I would probably find the right partner and try to get it to 600. Right. I think that partnerships can really get you to the next level quick. If that's not the road you want to go, I think that leverage is your answer. Start now developing relationships with your lenders, your bankers, your private investors. It's very difficult to go to somebody and say, hey, I have this idea. Let's make this happen in terms of institutional money. Mm -hmm. Right. If you can begin it early, start put a couple deals together and continue to leverage up. I think that's probably the quickest way to do it. Or some guys, I didn't go this route, but some guys just, they swing for the home run on the first one. I couldn't put all those pieces of the puzzle together. So the way that I started was I'm going to do a two flat and then I'm going to do another two flat to make sure that this one wasn't just a gimmick. And then I did a four flat and then I found a few single families. So I think there's a lot of ways to do it, but Joe, I think the ultimate answer here is it's all about relationships, Mm -hmm. relationships and action. That's the way to make it happen. And don't wait. Like I got fired on a Friday and I literally signed up for a week long training session on Monday. When was it? It was a property management program for CIC, Community Investment Corporation, which is local here at a local college. And then there was another guest who actually buddies with out in Virginia, Jim Angersoll, Mm-hmm. And he had a bank elimination blueprint program, him and Daniel Clayman. And I bought that thing for 500 bucks and there's a hundred hours of content. And it's amazing. If you don't have a job, you have a lot of time. And I just absorbed all that stuff that I could. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Anybody who's listening now and is trying to get into this and how do I break through and how do I get started? And how do I make this happen? Ask people. Nobody so- was just born with all these answers. How good are you at swinging a hammer? I'm horrible. You're horrible. Okay, so you're not a handy guy. No, not at all. All right. What role did you have in the renovation process at the beginning and now? My role in the beginning was I also wanted to learn, right? That's why I worked for that guy for free. So I would talk to the guys who were on the job sites during some, because there was a construction arm that was going on, and I would ask them. Hey, how long is this going to take? I'm not your boss. I'm just curious. How long is this going to take to frame this up? How many sheets of drywall is 500 square feet? And then I would go to Home Depot. I would look at how much is a piece of drywall? How many sheets is it going to take? Then I would know the time. And then I would ask that question, like Grant Cardone says, like 10X. I would ask 10 people the same thing over and over to see if I'm in that same realm. So that's kind of how I began to do it. And now what I do is I just deal with referrals and relationships and guys that I trust Mm -hmm. to get things done. I've done some demo work on days where I was frustrated, but I've never... uh, (laughs) After you went to to conference room B? 
Yeah, exactly. Right, right. <laughs> but I, I'm just not a handy guy. Well, that gives encouragement to everyone out there who is not a handy guy or gal. That's for sure. But what's to replicate this process? Sure. And again, like get the systems down. There's probably every city has probably got some weekend course on construction management or something like that. Learn the basics because it's important to know the basics. I'm not saying you have to know like how much a piece of drywall costs, but you should know about some pricing in the beginning, right? And then you can get project managers and things like that to kind of take it over. But you just don't want to get taken for a ride too early. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Start now. And when you make mistakes, because you will, everything and anything is fixable. Don't freak out. You mentioned something earlier I'd love for you to elaborate on. You said you had a small retirement account. Knowing what you know now, you would have done things differently. What would you have done differently? I would have had the 401k transferred and please to the listeners. I'm not an expert at this, so I'm just telling you what I would have done, but I would definitely sit down first with an accountant to make sure this is the right way to do it. I would have taken the 401k, put it into an IRA, and then I probably would have found somebody with a similar account balance that was willing to lend back and forth at very low interest rates so we can continue to move money back and forth. Mm. We do do some stuff now. But I just went in and drew it, withdrawn it from like it was an ATM. Mm -hmm. One of the worst mistakes I could ever make. Why? Because it was like a $50,000 bill. Mm. At the end when you weren't expecting it. Oh, yeah. That's fun. Yeah, sure is. (laughs) But it's one of those things, Joe, you make that mistake and it will never happen again. You won't make it again. uh, Yeah. That's right. What did you do to make sure that didn't happen again? Well, I don't believe in the markets anymore. So I put my money in the cash flow real estate. So I won't have to worry about that anymore. Mm-hmm. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Today's sponsor, Patch of Land, has got the document for you that you've got to check out if you're a fix and flipper. They show you how a higher interest rate can actually deliver a lower cost to your fix and flip loan. And conversely, how a lower interest rate could deliver a higher cost to your fix and flip loan. Needless to say, you got to know this stuff to identify the best loan terms. Go to patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Get this document, patchofland.com forward slash Joe Fairless. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, Make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation Podcast at com. Okay, best ever book you've read? Uh, reading it now. Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss. Boy, that's the second time today I've heard this book mentioned. And I bought it after – I haven't read it because I just bought it. But after the person mentioned it on the last interview – I said, I'm going to buy it as soon as the interview's over, so um, I'm looking forward to reading it. Awesome. Best ever deal you've done, not the last one and not the first one, one of them in between. Sure. I offered a guy $20,000 on a four flat. He didn't want to take it, and I noticed he had a Las Vegas like kind of ball cap on. So I was talking to him, and it was him and I doing a kind of a direct deal sit-down. And I said, well, what else do you like doing besides like hanging out in the neighborhood? And he goes, oh, I love Las Vegas. 
And I said, well, how about this? How about I get you a limo and some plane tickets <laughs> in a hotel around 12000 or 15000 for the house? And he goes, you know what? That might work. The whole thing, Joe, came out to 19000 oh. But it was uh, his perception. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he took it, and we did it. Yep. The Vegas wow. four flat, baby. Wow. Uh, how much does that make you a month? Uh, it kicks out gross 4300 you have debt on all your deals? I guess you do because you do the refinance, cash out refinance. Yeah, right? okay. I do. And that's what you're saying earlier, where you're about to reach a limit. Yeah. Okay. Who do you have the debt with? Uh, I have it primarily with one bank, the commercial lender here, Community Investment Corporation. Okay, just a local. They local work bank. local. Yeah, they've been around for like 30 years, and again, like I try to deal with experts in the field, so. This is what they do. They work in somewhat distressed neighborhoods, and they lend to owner-operators. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already? I make them all the time. I think my personality is, if you look at the disc, I'm all D, all I. So a lot of times, I don't think through things as clearly and as detailed as I should. So I guess my mistake is, I'm all gas, no break, (laughs) which can be good. Can you think of a specific example where that's burned you? Yeah, I hired somebody about three months ago, and I had to let him go two weeks after. It was just because I shouldn't be in charge of hiring. I was like, can you fill this role? Yeah. Okay, let's go. And then I just said, I'm really sorry. I made a big mistake here. It's not you. It's me. I know it sounds like high school dating, but this is all me. Yeah, because you just assume that people will have the same type of drive and attitude as you have who you hire. It's like, okay, you say you can do it. All right, you'll do it. Yeah, let's do it. Not everyone's not like that. Exactly. Best ever way you like to give back? You know what? I try to mentor some men and women, mostly guys who are looking for a better way of life. I try to give them advice and spend time with them using real estate as a vehicle that can get them out to the next place that they want to be if it's not where they currently are. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Check out our website, MPG, like miles per gallon, housing.com. You can check us out on Facebook at Marblestone Property Group, and there's a bunch of links where you can reach out to us. If you're in the Chicagoland area, we'd love to talk to you. MPGHousing.com, that is also a link in the show notes page. Jared, thanks for being on the show and talking about your last five years. You took $330,000 and five years it now brings in $360,000 cash flow and doing it through the renovation process of a home. Then you refinance, take that money, put it into something else and continue to rinse and repeat. Scaling along the way, lessons learned, process approach, all good stuff. Really appreciate you sharing some insight in your story with us. Hope you have a best ever day, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thank you, man. Keep up the great work. Talk soon. Feeling lost on your roadmap to wealth? Tune in to the newly launched REI Foundation podcast where hosts Jason and Peely give you all the steps and missteps towards achieving your investing dreams. Featuring interviews from top industry professionals, make sure you listen and subscribe to REI Foundation podcast at com.